Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 154, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, interview with Karen Wilkinson. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello, welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And John, this is a very exciting episode for us because we have back our dear friend Karen Wilkinson. Yay! Who has been interviewed with us before, (laughs) but uh, we're going to reintroduce her to you in just a moment because Karen has a new book that you are not going to believe how amazing it is. Uh, so before we dive into that, John, let's just thank all of our listeners. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let me let me talk about the uh, the folks that brought this episode to us specifically. So um, this week's episode is going to be brought to us by Deborah S. Randall W. Perry M. Stephanie M. And Denise H. All of which came to us in March and April of this year. Amen. Thank y'all very much. Thank y'all for joining and for subscribing. For all of you that support us, we appreciate so much. And uh, before I introduce Karen, uh, because we're going to talk about some material in her new book, I just want to give a little bit of a disclaimer or warning because some of the material in this book may be disturbing, uh, including references to alien abduction, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, trauma, kidnapping, child grooming, and child abuse. So we just want to warn parents in advance, if you feel like this subject matter may be too intense for young listeners, please make sure you use your discretion. Okay. And having said that, Karen. Welcome back. Thank you. We I'm are, happy to be back. We are so excited to have you again, John. I know we were blown away uh, the first mm-hmm. time you came down to our studio to interview, and we are now on location uh, to talk to Karen here today. Karen Wilkinson is featured in L.A. Marzulli's film, The Coming UFO Invasion, Exposing the Dragon's Dark Secrets. Karen is a saved believer in Christ and has had the experience of being abducted multiple times since childhood. She's a wife, a mother, and grandmother who worked in the tech industry for many years before retiring to raise her family. And Karen, you have completed your book, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, a true account of lifelong alien abduction and the evil agenda, which is probably one of the most fascinating accounts of alien abduction I have ever read. Today, she's graciously appeared, uh, agreed to appear on Bible Mysteries to discuss with us her experiences in even greater detail than our first interview with her, and it's as it is related in her book. So, Karen, thank you so much. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm very happy to be here, excited to be back with the two of you, and yeah. mm-hmm. excited to share. And we are privileged because, look, oh. this, this book, <laughs> that's this, a, this is the original copy, That's right? A, That's <laughs> right. We have read this. We don't have the actual printed uh, copies yet because... Yeah. There's a special release date set yes. for that. Yeah. It's at the printer right now, mm-hmm. and 
Conference. It should be released at the Prophecy Watchers Conference in Oklahoma in October. Right. And so for those of you so watching, we don't have the book to show you in the cover because there's a special reveal that's going to be happening a little bit later than this episode is going to air. But we will have links where they can order it. And it's really mainly through lamarzuli.net. Am right. I correct? Okay. This, yeah. For the first release to start, it will be exclusively at lamarzuli, L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Boy, that's a, that's a tongue <laughs> twister to spell, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, growing up with a name like Marzuli, yeah. it couldn't have been easy, right? But thank God for him and his ministry because Absolutely. I'll yes. tell you, he to me is like, he's the guy. He is. He's the guy that's done all the research in there. He is. So without further ado, Karen, we're going to dive into your book because in the first um, interview that we did with you, you were somewhat fresh off of that video that you did for L.A., uh, there were others on there as well, and uh, so it could have been for the sake of brevity, it could have been for the sake of time, but you didn't go into nearly as much detail as you do in uh, this new book, Evil, uh, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. Yes. It, would you say that part of that is because you yourself had to work through the emotional uh, things that went behind all that? Yeah, I think it was a couple of things. Part of it was working through. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I had begun to write down the things that had happened. Right. And deciding how to present what had happened, because it is sensitive subject matter. Yeah. Um, you have read the book, so you know some of it was challenging to write yeah. and keeping it in a way that wouldn't trigger someone or be offensive to someone. because. Right. The things that happened weren't nice, weren't pleasant, and they're not uh, coffee table conversation. You know, they're they're very True. serious topics about mm -hmm. serious levels of abuse. So, and I think the other reason was that yeah, we did if some of it was a little bit time. We just had so much to talk about. Yeah. And the first time we sat down, it was like old friends getting together and just talking and talking. And we uh, <laughs> well, we, we found so we had so much in common, I yes. think. And then when we found out how close we lived to each other, yes, uh, that was amazing. Because I first met you, I believe, at our conference with Ryan Peterson. Yes. Our debriefing 2023. So uh, you were gracious enough to come down and attend that and introduce oh. me. And I'm like, oh, you're that Karen. <laughs> so when it finally clicked, you know, and then we find out shortly that you you and John didn't live that far from each other. We're neighbors. Yeah, yeah practically. Yeah, we're across the street. I mean, we're so close. But no, yeah, that was, you were gracious enough to invite me. And that was a wonderful conference. I'm looking forward to the next one. I can't wait to hear when that is and what that will be. So We are too. We, In fact, um, we'll be planning that one really soon. Uh, good. It's almost too late to get started, but we're going to see what we can do this time around. Oh, good. And good. Ryan has already said he'd be happy to do it again. So oh, wonderful. Uh, I'm going to hold his feet to the fire on that good, one. Good, good. That was amazing. So yeah, that's when we met. And so yeah, I think some of it was just for a lack of time, honestly. There's, yeah. there's so much to discuss and there's so many different... Um, angles and aspects of this that you can discuss. Yeah. And I think that's why in the book it goes through different directions and iterations of how what happened and how it relates back to biblical times and yeah. and, and to my Christian journey and, and to God's grace in saving me and God's grace in allowing me to write this book Amen. and to share this with other people. There's so much more detail yeah. in the book if people saw the original interview, they were their interest was probably very peaked, right? I've read the book because Karen sent me an electronic copy. When you start going into the book, what's in here is really interesting. We can talk about some of it today, but I mean, much more detail than you gave 
of, I think in the past you, you, we talked about you know right. being inside of mm -hmm. kind of some kind of a craft and right. the people that were there and then the screen memories right. and things like that. But you're also talking about um, how that that handler, for lack of better terms, how he kind of shape shifted in the books. And I won't go into a bunch of details because we're going to get into it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And then put, plus the craft itself, flying the craft. Yeah, amazing. One of the things I do want to ask you that's somewhat out of order is that. Would you say that, okay, we know this much. You and I have talked about this before. You have fairly vivid recollection of some of these events, whereas many yes. abductees don't have that. Right. I don't want to call it a gift because it may not be a pleasant thing right. to have to, to relive in your mind. But John mentioned screen memories, and that's what mm -hmm. triggered this thought yeah. in my head. Um, did you find that part of the book, as you were writing it, required you to think more deeply to remember uh, would, would you say there's some truth to that? It definitely requires you to think a little, uh, to think a lot more deeply about it. Allow yourself to think more deeply about mm. it. There's a lot of prayer that goes into that because these are memories that you spend a lot of time pushing down and, yeah. and trying not to remember. They're memories that you just want to get away from. You've yeah. conditioned my whole life to just pretend these things didn't happen. Right. And to live my life is a double life, is a life where, you know, here's the person that these things happen to, and you don't ever talk about that, you don't ever bring it up in public, you don't live your you know, life, although it affects every aspect of your life. So yeah. you, it's hard to live as if it didn't happen, but you try really hard, so you, you don't like to think about the details. Do it, you feel a sense of relief? Yes. Having written the book? Because I know I that um, you talked about, you, you almost had a period in your life where you were like, you know what, I'm going to stop talking about this because it's like almost mm -hmm. a lot of people just think yeah. I'm crazy or don't believe yeah. me. Yeah. Right? And then things have changed so much over the past 20, 25, 30 years where it used to be, if you even yeah. brought up, oh, I saw a UFO, everybody thought you were crazy. Now they pulled people in and it's like more than 50% of the population are like, oh yeah, they're here. Right. right. Yeah. That That's a good point. It It's something that even six months ago, the climate changed and the landscape changed. Hmm. And a few months ago, when the congressional hearings happened, again, yeah. the climate and the landscape okay, changed. Yeah. And that, you know, allowed for more discussion. Um, but it's still missing, you know, still missing large portions of that discussion. I wouldn't say that we're any closer to disclosure. Um, there's confirmation is happening. I don't yeah. think I think they're confirming things that we already know. Um, yeah. They're not confirming the Christian aspect of things, but True. they're confirming what people are saying is real. They're yeah. confirming that they know it, know about it. That our governments and those in positions of power and authority know what's happening, but they're not admitting to any role that they're playing in it. They're not admitting right. to any um, anything outside of the fact that yes, these things exist. Yes, we have them. I think one thing there that's becoming obvious through what little is being disclosed is that they are not being honest yes. about what's happening. And so your book goes so far to help open up the, the avenue of thought that people need to consider when instead of thinking of these things as extraterrestrials, they need to see who they truly are, which we're going to get into in a moment. Because there's, as we'll talk about in a little bit, there's too many people out there thinking these benevolent space brothers are coming to help us. Right. And that is the last thing yeah. right. that they want to that's do. That's the lie. Right? That's, that the big, is, that's one of the big, one of the big lies. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of big lies out there about this. And 
you know, and we have we have our guide to the truth, the Holy Bible, Amen. and and there's a lot in here that explains so much of what we see, what's yes. happening out there. So much of the supernatural is explained in here. L.A. Marzulli calls it the guidebook to the supernatural, and he's not wrong. He's, you know? yeah. He is right. There's so much in here, and you just have to read beyond the Sunday school verses that you're taught, you know, and and read into it. Read the whole thing. I agree. The chapters and and ask questions and learn about it and talk about it. But as this becomes more and more mainstream, (laughs) call it right, the aliens, why they're this is going to get embraced in a big way by especially by the New Age movement. Yeah, it's like what you said. Oh, they're here to show us how to fix ourselves. We'll never have cancer again, right? Whatever. They're Solve gonna, global the warming. Tech, oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, oh, that's yeah. a great one, right? Yeah. Walk out the sun. Yeah. We're going to walk out the sun with a spaceship. Right? Well, let's fix global warming. The yeah. oceans are, they're going to make the oceans go back down again. Whatever. That's not the case, right? No. And we'll get into that, but that's why it's great that you're putting this book out to expose really what's what they're doing, which I think, Scott's probably one of your questions, right? What are they here for? Right. In fact, John, she asked, uh, Karen, you asked several questions in the introduction of your book. Yes. And uh, two of them stood out for me just because it, they, they struck me as the questions that most people want to get right to, which is, what do these aliens want, number one, and what is their end game? So let's start with your summary of those two, just to start with a simple. Sure. Um, what do they want? Um, I think that's a multifaceted um, thing to talk about. They want to interfere more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe they want to corrupt the bloodline, the seed of man. Right. You know, you're back to Genesis 3.15 where, you know, he will you'll bruise his heel and he will crush your head, mm-hmm. you know, as uh, the serpent in the garden. Right. Um, and then to... Um, the attempt to corrupt the bloodline of the Savior, which didn't work out. Correct. But that continued, you know, and as, um, uh, I'm escaping on the name. Okay, I'll go back to that. But, yeah, I mean, so part of it is to corrupt the genome, the bloodline of uh, the human beings. Yes. Back to, you know, the days of Noah, back to the times when the fallen angelic beings came to the daughters of men and procreated with them and yeah. gave birth to Genesis the Nephilim. So we're in Genesis 6. So you think they're creating hybrids that live amongst us? Absolutely. And um, David, Dr. David Jacobs has a book called Walking Amongst Us. I haven't read the book. Um, I started to, but it was very triggering for me sure. <laughs> because of some of the stories in it. But it, essentially he talks about that. People who are you know, experiencing these hybrid beings and, and uh, that they are he believes walking amongst us today. Um, I'm convinced they are. Uh, I've I've mentioned as much in other things that I've said and other interviews I've done. And I think we can't necessarily pinpoint who they are, but I think most of our governmental leaders are, if not Mm demon-possessed or demon-influenced and controlled, are, are Nephilim themselves. It's to yeah, the point now possible. where it's it's hard to tell mm-hmm. that these are just purely motivated by human instinct. You know, there's something else going on. Well, LA, so, when we interviewed L.A., I, well, my memory, he said that he believes they're building an army. Yes. Yeah. And that was from, um, uh, from <laughs> I have the quote from the person who said that, and he always... Gives I, that person the credit, and I'll think of it, and I'll bring it up it's later. It's the pastor, and it's not Michael Heiser, but it's no, uh, um, Hesser. Yeah, Doctor. No. Uh, um, 
Oh gosh, I, I struggled with this name the other day, John. <laughs> I, and I have it in my book. I actually have that quote, in, right. and I give him credit for that in in the book. But yeah, yeah I, well, that, we can, we that Satan's amassing an army. I can't remember yeah, that yeah. name yeah. all yeah. the time for somebody. He did pass away not too long ago, but yeah. he's sort of one of those granddaddies right, of, right. of teaching this. Um, but yeah, so there there are a lot of people who who believe that, and I think that's true. That you know, Satan is building an army. He's outnumbered yeah. two to one, and he needs to build an army now. Because they know, you know, when you, when you're reading, when when Jesus casts the demons out, and he says, "Why are you? Why do you torment us before our time?" Right. Yeah. They know. They know that it's not their time. They know their time is coming. Yes. And they're going to fight until that time. Absolutely. And in order to fight and to take down as many souls as they can, to corrupt as many people as they can, to pull as many people away from or lead as many people astray as possible. Right. To keep people from going to to the Lord, to keep people from being saved. You know, the more of them that there are, the more people they're going to be able to lead astray, the more they're going to be able to corrupt the world. You know, you, that's an interesting point, because when you look, like you said, multifaceted, the original seed war of Genesis 3.15 that you mentioned would have been the serpent trying to prevent the seed of the woman, which would ultimately be Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. yeah. So the corruption of the Nephilim of Genesis 6 was a, the first attempt at that. Once he failed and Jesus was born of a woman and died for the sins of the world and was raised from the dead, that battle was lost. So the the tactic had to be switched, right? The, yeah. the right. So at that point, you could say his aim was to corrupt doctrine so that men could not see the truth right. from the church and in the church. He operates in the church, too. Right. And then today it appears to be back to a more genetic-focused thing to create individuals that cannot be saved. Exactly. Not just damned through deception, but uh, ultimately will fall for the strong delusion that will cause them to be unredeemable. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that's why I say it's multifaceted, because there are so many different avenues that Satan can try to get to um, corrupt people, whether Mm -hmm. it's through their, you know, by their no longer human. I mean, at what point, you know, are you considered transhuman or no longer human? Yeah. Um, and um, I talk about that a little bit in the book. And right. at what point, you know, when you have a body that can't die? And the Bible talks about that. They'll long for yeah. death. The death will not That's find right. them. Absolutely. You know, as you're talking about creating human beings who can't die, who are no longer human. Well, at what point are you no longer human? You know, you're born with a soul, so I'm not. you can't take that away. But what if they're born not from God's plan, but they're born another way. If they're creating children in artificial wombs with artificial genetics. And didn't we just read this week? And some human and some artificial, yes, that they created a child without using a male or a female to do that. So now you're talking about someone that, something that God didn't create. Because, you know, species intermix, yes, you can, a donkey and a horse can make a mule and different things like that, and a horse could conceivably I think mate with a zebra or things like that Certainly, yeah. but but when they back in the days of Noah when they started messing with mixing and you can find some of this in some of the extra conical books like um, Enoch and Jasher and, and those books there's right. a lot of detail that augments our Bible it's not the word but it is certainly a nice reference and historical reference talks about how they were you know teaching men to mix the animals and the humans and that's when God was like no these aren't 
these aren't my creation. Yes. These aren't born with a soul. These aren't my creation. Interesting you mentioned mm-hmm. that because, and, and though the details of that are in the non-canonical books, like you said, like Enoch and in Jasher, Genesis 6 does say that in those days all flesh had corrupted his way. So yeah. there's, a, there's a vague reference to it. But, you know, I thought about your example that you gave of like a donkey and a horse could mix to create a mule. But unless I'm mistaken and I've forgotten my Gregor Mendel genetics from <laughs> high school, um, mules are sterile. Yes, they, they are. They cannot reproduce yeah. on their own. So though man may mix mm-hmm. things that God didn't intend to mix... The result is not necessarily going to be able to reproduce on its own. Right. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there's got to be something about that that might tie into this agenda of abductions. Right. And I don't, well, because we also know um, it doesn't say in the Bible that angels don't have sex or sexual relations. It says they don't marry. Yes. And they don't have children. Correct. But if they do want their own offspring, then the best vehicle for that would be a human woman who has a womb right. and has the ability to carry a baby. And we know they did. And you know you can take, now we see this in our science today, you can take genetic material and create mm. a child with yeah. specific types of genetic material. It doesn't have to be the old-fashioned sperm and egg, even yes. you know, like we could do in fertility clinics and things like that. So Interesting. So it, it gives them an opportunity to have offspring that... You know, because and and like we've talked about before, you know, Satan, every every beautiful stone was his covering, and yet right. he was cast out. And God's like, I'm gonna make Adam out of the dust, you know, and this is my son. So yes. Satan's going, well, now I'm gonna make my son. Here, I'm gonna make mine, and he's gonna be a giant, or he's gonna be right. indestructible, mm-hmm. or yeah. he's not gonna die. There's so many different facets to why this is happening. And interesting to note that they couldn't do it on their own. They had to. The only creation that God gave the ability to reproduce was man and the animal kingdom that we have right. dominion over. So for them to, they couldn't reproduce on their own. Right. So they had to come down to interfere. And if they tried to create something on their own, you know, imagine there. there is a book, um, and I, I do reference this in my book too, there's a verse, and it's in, again in one of the non-conicals, but it's one of the books that the Bible references. The Bible references some of our the books that aren't in the Bible. It talks about yes, like Enoch yeah. and Jasher and some of this. Yeah. And there's a verse in there where he says, I taught you these things, but I didn't teach you the important things. I didn't teach you everything, God says, admonishing the fallen ones who were right. messing with the genetics. Implying that, you know, okay, yeah, you can do all this. You've got all the science. You can make the males and the, you can make the, peop- the giants and the Nephilim and the things that you're mixing with the animals. But I didn't show you how to put a soul in there. Yeah. I didn't tell you how to finish the job. Exactly. You get just enough Legos to make <laughs> a bus, but I'm not going to put an engine in there for you. Like you know, you can make the yeah. temporary being, but you can't make the eternal being. Right. You this... can make the, the flesh being, uh-huh. right? Or the Replicate or the, the avatar, the meat suit, right. as, yeah. as I right. think you and LA have re- described it as. Exactly. Uh, but but it's not a. It, they're sentient, I guess, in the sense, but they're inhabited mm-hmm. probably by demonic spirit rather than mm-hmm. having a spirit from God. So I know we're right. interviewing Karen here, but I got a question for Scott. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Or, or Karen may know this as well. Is, there's no such thing as a female angel, correct? I don't know for sure. And what is your feeling, Karen? There's nothing that references male or any females that I've found. There are a lot yeah. of them, but even the references we have don't reference that they're specifically male or female. 
Yeah. Well, they. It they just says they don't give male, her marriage. But the but reason not I, married, I, so. I asked that is because I was sitting here thinking while you were talking about some other stuff, and we were you were talking about Genesis six. Obviously, angels can reproduce because they mix with human women. To so reproduce. they took wives, implying that they were male. Yes. Exactly. Had male genitalia. And were under the assumption that they had natural intercourse and that they didn't do some other type of artificial insemination or something like that. Well, that's we going to be an interesting know. question. That's something we don't know. Yeah. We don't know how it happened. We just know that it did happen. It but there's no, happen. no detail as to how it happened. But, and the, I ask about the female angels because I don't know of any part of the Bible that mentions them, but what I'm kind of looping around to is in your experience with the alien abductions, did you ever see a female alien? Or were they always male? <laughs> That's a very good question. <clears throat> the ones that I saw were generally asexual. With asexual. with no apparent gender. So they appeared to be more like just worker bees? I for lack of better terms? Like a drone? Yeah, more drone-like, yeah. more asexual. Because they're not they many of <clears throat> some of them are similar looking to us. And I there were I take that back. There were females of the Nordic type alien beings. I was gonna say we've there seen what stuff. looked like females, but I will tell you what. But they might be androgynous. The more I think about, it, they were very androgynous because some of them, yeah, just yeah, they just have had that appearance female appearance, and some had a shorter hair. Some seemed to have longer hair. It was blonde. And John, two some things had softer can, features. Yeah, two things I can say to that. Uh, number one, from scripture, and the reason I said I'm not 100% certain they're all male, although the vast majority seems to be. Yeah. Uh, and usually when they appear, they're referred to as a man, mm-hmm. you know, even yeah. though they're angels. But in the book of Ezekiel, there's a reference to a, a flying ephah, and there's a woman in the midst, and, and a lid is cast upon her, and they said this is wickedness. So it, the woman mm-hmm. could be representative of something else, but it could be a female I- angelic type being. But it's bad, whatever it is, and which is not mm-hmm. to say it's negative towards women. Yeah. It's yeah. just that particular thing is bad. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, and Karen knows and introduced me, in fact, to Al Matthews. Mm-hmm. And Al is a man that I'm going to be interviewing you, John, and I, you and, and I will be interviewing in, in soon, uh, coming up. But um, Al knows of individual abductees because Karen really started that whole ministry of the of the meetup groups for some of these abductees. Yeah. And um, he knows individuals that were men that were raped mm-hmm. by, he, oh, the yes. term he used was hags. That's by what, female aliens. A female fallen angelic about. beings. Incubus, yeah. succubus, we get into that whole thing. Uh, yeah. I was going to bring that up yeah. next with John to his point too, because yeah, the incubus, succubus thing. I know men who have been, yeah, attacked okay. and raped. and and have talked about it with us and, and were brave enough to share those stories and have worked through those things. But so, you know, I think that it's something we don't have a lot of answers for. There, It's right. another one of those more esoteric parts of mm-hmm. the Bible that we don't have answers. True. But then I wonder, too, is it more that there, not that there are male and female angelic beings, but or do they have the ability to go back and forth mm-hmm. between male and female? Because hmm. in, in Genesis it says, you know, male and female, he made them, you know, female and male, he made them, you know. And, and so is that a, a time where where God decided to make a distinction and then create right. create us, us as a species that could procreate? 
Another, a lot of good questions. It is. Another thought mm-hmm. that I wonder about, too, is when we go back to Genesis 6 again, where this manipulation began. Uh, we know that the sons of God, which were male, took the daughters of men to wives. Yeah. And they had children, mm-hmm. which were the Nephilim. There's nothing that says that all of them were male babies. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. Some of them could have been female Nephilim as well. And therefore, had they been killed in the flood too, along with all humanity, wouldn't those be female disembodied spirits that could be succubus or hags or whatever that are now in avatars of some form or have the ability to shapeshift maybe? Well, think about when we look at um, mythology and like ancient Greek or Roman mythology. Right. And we find in there the parallels to what is in the Bible. So we know that a lot of that is most likely taken from the time when God had appointed different angels over the different countries and areas, mm-hmm. and then also some of it being they became the mighty men of old. The Gibberim, the, the Nephilim, became right. the mighty men of old are like your Hercules and those types of of uh, characters in Probably mythology, hybrids. which fit into the same historical context that we have in our Bibles. Yeah. So, and there are females in the mix. True. In these yeah. mythologies. So, if you're relating that back, then um, you know I, I think that would give you some more evidence for there to be females yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Somehow, somehow spiritual entities that are female mm-hmm. by nature or origin or something. I'm glad you mentioned the Gaborim. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. Okay. That's that's going to be one of my questions later. But getting back to your book, okay. uh, Karen, because these are, I mean, there's that's nothing. a whole other podcast. Know, right? Right? I'm telling you, nothing is questions. off limits. So. Right, right. But you and I both believe another statement that you put in your book about uh, that non-human alien entities are intervening with um, humans in an attempt to corrupt the human bloodline, mm-hmm. and that this is the dark agenda of Satan and his cohorts. Do you think the modern abduction phenomenon is just a, a, a modernized version of what was going on in Genesis 6? Uh, I do. I think there's a lot of differences now because, you know, in Genesis 6 was before the dispensation of grace right true so now we're in a in a time frame where it's i think it's more difficult for them to get permission to be able to take people and how do you mean did they get permission in genesis 6 i'm 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 a little unclear on the oh i i think that because people are there are more people now that are born again that are saved that are protected from this that there weren't. Oh, interesting. You're, you're, you know, it's, there's a different spiritual context going yeah. on now. Now we have the gifts of the Spirit. Now we have, you know, uh, the protection of the blood of Jesus that He sacrificed for us. Right. Whereas in Genesis six, and, and which is not to say that men were just right for the picking and, right. and they could be taken at will. Yeah. But there had to have been a, a, 
the word you used was permission. There had to have been an agreement or contract. Mm -hmm. Because I I know I've read in some instances where there are those that are experts in this field, Mm -hmm. like L.A., Mm-hmm. and others um, that have uh, uh, and he's not the only one that mentioned this but that some of this was a taking a violent taking of the wives not an exchange I I tend to lean towards and that could be true but I tend to lean towards there was an exchange being made of a verbal contract well yeah just because somebody else gave permission didn't mean these women wanted to be taken there you go right That's so a good the point. violent yeah. taking could still be there but someone up the line in the hierarchy of the family probably oh, made that exchange. Good, good and, point. and I think that happens today. I think that was the case in my case. I think yeah. there was someone in my family who was involved in in something that allowed that to happen as a small child. Very you know? interesting. And so. I, I think that happens a lot where there's somebody in that child's family or in that child's orbit who says, you know, I'm going to give permission to take this in child exchange in exchange for, for whatever wealth, prosperity I mean, people, power yeah, people talk about it all the time go online and look up you know and, but don't look it up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people make deals with you know evil forces to get what they want all the time well, you it hear still about happens signing today. on the dotted line yes. for fame and fortune exactly. but it really it's just another version of the serpent's promise to Eve ye shall be yes. as gods knowing good and evil the idea was always, if you rebel against God, mm-hmm. I've got this secret occult knowledge for you. Yes. And that's that, to me, was the, the, the plan behind the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the plan behind the secret societies. It's the plan mm-hmm. behind the satanic global elites. And I do write a lot about that. That, yeah, it's, you know, man falls away from God, wants to become like God. Then, you know, everything falls apart. And it's this constant this cycle that happens over and over again in the Bible, in right. our history, and today. People people that are atheists or people that uh, doubt there's a God tend to use as their measure their mental decision of what they believe God should be. Well, if he's all-loving, if he's all-powerful, why is there cancer, why is there death, why is there kidnapping, mm-hmm. honor, rape, whatever. And they refuse to allow for the fact that, well, there wouldn't have been if man had not chosen to rebel. And God gave them a free will. So he said, you can serve me and live in paradise, or you can choose to rebel and face the consequences. And they still cannot face the consequences. Man thinks he can do it on his own, mm-hmm. but not God. So this always ties back into the theme of what's going on here, because it, it, it comes down to a more specific question for you, which is, why would an innocent child, because you were abducted since childhood, yes. you did nothing. And you're basically telling us, why was a child being taken? Well, somewhere up the line in your ancestry, there was a, a doorway opened, a permission granted, a contract made. Right. Is that, am I correct? That's absolutely correct. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and someone else could have closed that door for me, mm-hmm. or eventually I closed that door myself. Right. Once you And I close on it on for my Lord. children, too, so yes. that they now don't have to worry have about this. Have you seen situation. patterns of other people that you're now meeting and doing these, I don't know what you call it, a support group, I guess. We're, I just <laughs> I don't thought, know if that's the right term, it, sorry. It just, we, you know, LA sends people to me or people, mm-hmm. or you have, you know, people who have had these experiences who just need someone to to yeah. share their experiences with, someone who will believe them and talk to them. And and um, yeah, and so I, we just talk and we put each other in contact with each other. And but when you talk people. to the, these other um, people that have experienced abductees, alien experiences. abductees, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you talk to these people, do they say, "Oh yeah, I, I had a grandfather who was a, mm-hmm. a grand"? Oh, 
level 33 mason yeah you know, I don't which, know which i did <laughs> in almost yeah. every case in almost there's every something case, yes. like that, that yeah that's what i'm getting at is, is there case. a pattern there always have or you know somebody was in the mm -hmm. satanic church or something right. you know something we like can that. always everyone I, i've yet to find someone i've talked to that we cannot find something that would account for where that door that portal that permission yeah. was given yeah. that portal was open that doorway to the evil was open right. so it goes back to i mean gen 6 you were talking about there was a contract in exchange for technology because yeah. right. we know that they found out about everything right. that they found out working metals and uh, you know everything so, so now it, in the period of grace that we're in or this dispensation of grace now it comes down to some kind of a permission through an exchange for power status in the community that happened generations ago yeah. you know yeah it so. can be as simple as you know a great grandfather doing something or or as you yourself doing something that you didn't realize you maybe did or you forgot that you had done that you dabbled in the occult at some mm. point in your life and then mm. not prayed about that i think you can open portals yes. unintentionally, unintentionally but, yes. but do it so yeah. you know i thought about something and this is going to be I hope this can relate back to what we're talking about. <laughs> because one of the areas that can open portals, I think, is we, we talk about generational curses. Yes. We can talk about land curses. Mm -hmm. um, I was born yeah. and raised in a city called Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is French for red stick. Do you, either of you happen to know why the city got the name? I do, but I'm going to let you explain it. Okay. <laughs> I don't, so this will be fun for me. I have no so idea. It's kind of gory. <laughs> what, I, what I understand and remember from my Louisiana history in eighth grade was the uh, indigenous people there were known as the Estruma Indians. And one of the things that they did when they uh, had went to war with other tribes is they captured the, the slaves, the prisoners of war, and they impaled them Ooh. on pine tree spikes. Oh, okay. and let, Almost like a crucifixion, a horrible, slow, cruel death. And when um, European explorers came up the Mississippi and they saw these on the banks of the river, they named it. The French explorers named it Baton Rouge. Rouge yeah. Oh wow! And and I, I say that because recently uh, my own father passed away, and he died in Baton Rouge. So we went to see him, and thankfully he was saved, and he's where I want to be. So I'm grateful to know that he, his suffering was short uh, for his demise. But while he was in hospice, we went home to to tend to the family things, and while we were there, here's what struck me as odd is that. You think of the Cajun culture in New Orleans, and it's a tourist destination. Great food, uh, swamp tours, Mardi Gras, you name it, all that kind of stuff, French Quarter. Mm -hmm. That's not Baton Rouge, but it's New Orleans. But you'd think there would be hotels everywhere. We had a hard time finding a decent hotel. Oh. And, mm -hmm. and I thought that was odd because it's the That's capital odd. city, yeah. and it, they, there were not good hotels. And um, as we drove around, I, I recall going, Boy, this city is ugly. The infrastructure is just <laughs> so run down. Oh. I grew up here, and it's no like... No offense to those of you who live in Baton Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I still have family there. Don't get me wrong. The people are wonderful. <laughs> the food is great. But I it's mean, not Austin, Texas. It's, yeah. I mean, come on. Well, it's not Texas. <laughs> not to compare it to any other city, but I'm just saying that there's... It's dirty, run down. <laughs> there's places that just have not been... And there's nice areas with beautiful homes. Sure. But the, but the infrastructure is terrible, and I thought... Why, after all these years, is it still so grimy? And is it possible that it's cursed? Yeah. Oh, I've, you know, and, and not just that city. Possible, there, there yeah. could be other cities too. I'm just saying that. I just wonder if maybe there's 
that never has been lifted off. And it's and it's like, no, it's never going to get beyond. New Orleans is the same way. Oh, yeah. I'm going to New Orleans, and yeah. I'm like, why would anybody come here to party? And the French Quarter smells horrible. I mean, because they, <laughs> well, they do the big Mardi Gras festival. Well, you've got the voodoo and, exactly. and all that stuff. So there, there's something. And I'm not picking on my home state. I love it. And, and I love <laughs> to go eat there. It's beautiful. No, I love Louisiana. It's yeah. a beautiful state. But anyway, I bring that up because you that's another pathway of, right. besides generational curses, is it's land curses. curses. And I was listening to someone hmm. the other day speak about that. I'll have to go back and see who it was and put you in touch with them. But I know another good person to talk to about that might be Vicki Joy Anderson. Yeah. Wrote, and Laura Sanger. And Laura Both Sanger. of them are good. I think it was Laura Sanger who was talking about it now okay. that you're, you're saying that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think she's the person who you might She's done a lot of about, studies about, about ley lines. and yes. she, she gets into the whole yeah. thing about the creature of Jekyll Island and how Jekyll Island, Georgia right. is a cursed land. And wouldn't you know that was the place where the Federal Reserve was formed. In that secret meeting, wow. she goes. She traces really that back. It's a really interesting yeah. book. So yeah, one of those two people will probably be the one to talk to about yeah. that. And I was raised in an area like that too, with the ancient earthworks. That's I was right. Raised by the serpent. We played on the serpent, serpent mound. mound. I mean, I back then Ohio. it wasn't all you know um, cordoned off. Yeah. And around the um, the uh, ancient earthworks, which they call the Indian mounds, but they're not. Um, but that's another subject for another day. But yeah, we were, and I have in the book, I show a map just to show just the concentration of those types of things near where I was raised. Yeah. Because I really think that has something to do with it, too. That's interesting. You, and you then also, Indian right, mounds. Yes. What, what was an Indian mound? Well, they say they're Indian mounds. They're not. They're ancient burial mounds. And a lot of times, the um, native cultures would bury their dead within the mounds yeah. at times but most of those mounds when they were dug um, when they were excavated back in the 1800s 1900s and Fritz Zimmerman does excellent books and things on this um, they um, and L.A. Marzulli has a whole series on this, this too in one of his movies they found giant bones that's, <sighs> that's where the Smithsonian came and took the bones I mean my I grew up we grew up knowing that those giant bones were in those mounds yeah. and that the Smithsonian and wow. the British Museum came and took those bones away and my father was a part of a group that tried to get all of the artifacts returned to that area to the Ross County Historical Society in Ohio and they obviously never got anywhere because you're fighting a really big machine when you're going against you know the Smithsonian and the British Museum but you just blew my mind because relating this back to talking about growing up in Baton Rouge uh, my grandparents lived very close to the campus of Louisiana State University. Mm-hmm. So LSU was a campus that I grew up actually playing in. My grandpa taking me to see horses in the mm-hmm. agricultural section and things like that. And there were these hills that we used to roll down when we were kids, somersaults, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and yeah. you know what we called them? The Indian Mounds. Indian Mounds. And they were. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe those were, in we fact, have, yeah. Indian Mounds of buried giant bones. And you had wow. some unusual things happen to you growing up that we've talked about sure. too. So, and we, sorry about that noise. I hope that doesn't come through. <laughs> That's the garage door. Um, we, yeah, I mean, there was like Sipe Mound, Serpent we've Mound, the all these different, the yeah, there's <laughs> they're growling, <laughs> they're growing underneath us. I believe someone's gone in and out of the garage door. Sorry. Um, it's happening again. Yeah, That's it's happening. Right. <laughs> Earthquakes in diverse places. It's happening here. Um, but no, yeah, we played on some of those mounds because they were just 
no, you know, they weren't part of anything yet. They wow. weren't. They weren't part of any kind of national park or historical. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know that it was disrespectful. We didn't think we were being disrespectful, but right. like you didn't think that when you were little oh, and, of and playing I on them. No, no I mean, we didn't know any better. We were children. I mean, if someone had told us, that would be different. Yeah. So yeah, you don't realize just how much we don't know what could be going on around us or what they built your housing development on. I mean, predictive programming, they make movies about those things. Yeah. But, you know, how close to the truth is that? Is there, you know, are those demons, demonic entities still lurking around in that area because it was a fun place for them to be at the time before or you know i just never put two and two together until you said the word indian mounds and i kind of went did she know about the indian mounds and then it it dawned on me they're indians and because they're native americans but that's but they live all over the country not just lsu campus right (laughs) Right. so then then it just occurred to me wow that they were probably hills of at least at one point giants bones were buried there and they were probably removed and replaced with whatever Mm -hmm. oh yeah they came and took that i mean there's so many pictures and old pictures you can find of them excavating with horses and buggies and then there's a horse and buggy with a smithsonian on the side of it you know they're coming to take it and And no disrespect to call them indian mills that was just at at that day and age that's what they were called but we know better now you know absolutely yeah there's there's never disrespect intended when we say the word indian it's what european settlers and pioneers who came to this country thought the native americans were they thought they'd reached india or what they called the east indies so anyway um you mentioned two dates in your book that that of course are important to me roswell in 1947 and the Grenada Treaty of 1954. Mm -hmm. I want you to give us a quick rundown because that lays a foundation of part of your book. Yes. So tell us about those dates. I bring those dates up because they are two dates that a lot of people can relate to. Mm -hmm. Many, the majority of people know what Roswell, New Mexico is now. Right. Um, That something happened there. Yeah. And uh, then, since then, the U.S. government has admitted, oh, well, yes, there was a crash there. Yes, we did retrieve mm-hmm. you know, a craft. We yeah. do have biologics. So, um, you know, the, that information has since been somewhat confirmed. Um, so I bring that up, and I bring up um, the Granada Treaty to lay a foundation for the fact that this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. And those aren't you know, the oldest ones, you can go back and find ancient cave paintings and carvings and, and things like that that show ships and show strange beings. Very clearly. Very, yeah, me. very clearly show what we're dealing, same things we're dealing with today. So, and then I bring up the Granada Treaty. And I think that's important because those two um, incidents show that our government and those in charge and maybe not so much our government that we see, but maybe a shadow government or the people working for them or behind them or with them are concealing things, keeping things from us, or are more involved than we know, more involved than they will admit, and that they've been doing this for a long time. What's happening today is nothing new. True. Mm -hmm. You know? Something specific about the Grenada Treaty, I wasn't familiar with the term. Is that the alleged treaty between Eisenhower and the Greys. Right. And and what the story goes is that Eisenhower never actually signed anything. He never actually uh, got anywhere with it. He tried to um, come to an agreement with 
some gray alien entities, but they couldn't come to an agreement because everyone wanted different things. And then some apparently Nordic entities approached him and said, don't listen to them. They're, they're the bad guys. We're the good guys. Right. You know, and, you know, sometimes it's just a Trojan horse. Um, Mm. And then apparently what happened is he never really came to any agreement. But sometime after that, other government officials or agencies, at that point, a a, a task, some sort of a task force or group was formed. I think it's the Majestic 12. Magic, came, yeah. Majestic came 12. about at that point in time. <clears throat> and they went forward with it, and they were the ones who managed to get an agreement signed, allegedly. Right. An agreement was signed, and there is some... Um, some declassified documents, but so much of redacted, you can't you can't make really yeah. tell make heads or tails of it. But apparently, at that point, that was kind of like the age old biblical agreement where the we'll 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 trade you know the people yeah. for the stuff. So you know here we'll take the technology you and you can take the cows and you can take the people and right. the whatever you know whatever you can get within Which reason. Supposedly, <clears throat> excuse me, supposedly granted some form of permission, although I yes. think they would have done it regardless. I think they would have found a way to get permission yeah. one way or the other. It just made it a lot yeah. easier for them to operate right. within the confines of, of of what was becoming a superpower at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think they see time and space differently than we do. Sure. I mean, as you know, talking to Jana about how sometimes I would be taken and I would be dropped, I would be brought back and I would be brought back in what felt like two or three minutes to before. <laughs> so, oh, like before you were taken to begin with? Yes. Oh, wow. And I could, and I would just, and, and this has happened so many times. I know people say, oh, that's just deja vu or whatever. Maybe. But the problem is it happens so often. And so many times, like I said, and I could tell you exactly what was going to happen over the next three or four minutes. And I would just <laughs> sit quietly while I watched everything catch up until I was so used to it happening. I knew it was best to sit quietly or, you know, because I could try to change what was going to happen Are because you talking I, about time travel though? I'm like, talking about being brought back yeah in the yeah. in the time realm that was the wrong I was brought back that when I was taken time doesn't happen the same way as it does for us here and it's similar to when I had my near death or my near life experience yeah um, and we'll talk about and that we'll talk shortly. about yeah okay yeah. Um, but they would I would suddenly I'd know something happened, and, and it sometimes it would happen during the day. Just just same as if we were sitting here. Not that that will now, because I'm protected. Thank you, Lord. Amen. But, um, and I'm sitting there knowing that I've just been brought back, and I've been brought back a few seconds too soon. Or maybe 30 seconds too soon. It's never yeah. a huge amount of time. So to be, to be as specific as we could, let's pretend for a moment there was an abduction that took place at noon. Mm-hmm. And after it was over, they return you, and it's 11.58 right. a.m. So you And so you would be aware of that. Exactly. Wow. If you would like to hear the entire amazing interview with Karen Wilkinson about her book, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, please consider becoming a premium podcast subscriber to Bible Mysteries. And you can do so at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com.